The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Jesus said, in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, This generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the one who is to come. Amen. Amen. Well, the holidays 2014 are upon us. Thanksgiving has come and gone, and I hope yours was pleasant. And then, as the sun was setting in the west, The great secular festival of shopping and decorating and gift-giving and treats and eating and drinking began. Our cultural commercial Christmas season can feel like a wild ride. I have heard that retailers count on our spending during this season to make them whole for the year as upwards of one-third of their annual profits comes in during the Christmas season. They say that that's what Black Friday means. It puts retailers in the black for the year. No wonder they nearly bury us in marketing to make it happen. It wasn't always this way in Concord. Do you know that in the early years, When the Puritans were in charge, Christmas was like any other day. It was against the law to make a big deal about Christmas. It wasn't until the 19th century, I think we have Charles Dickens to thank for this, Dickens and the cult in the 19th century, the cult of domestic perfection. Only then did Christmas begin to take on the emotional freight that it carries now with So many messages to be jolly, to be merry, and to be 
or at least to look like the perfect family. Stepping back a little bit from all that pressure, you could say there is an element of carnival to all of this, and some folks enjoy it very much. Others, not so much. For many of us, for various reasons. All the hoopla of this season leaves us blue. But love it or loathe it, we are free to take it all lightly. For the Dickens family perfection commercial Christmas is just a great big add-on to the Christmas that is at the heart of our community of faith. The biblical remembrance of God with us. Our Advent liturgies are a kindly ministry that helps us to disentangle the deep meaning of Christmas from all that other stuff. So today, as Becky has announced, is the first Sunday of Advent. For any who may not know, Advent is what church folks call a liturgical season meaning a stretch of time when the liturgy focuses on one of the fundamental themes of Christian belief. We signal this new season by the colors we use for the vestments and the cloths that hang from the altar and the pulpit. Blue for Advent, or if you're an eight o'clocker, purple. Solemn, deep colors, inviting reflection. Advent isn't a very long liturgical season. It's only four weeks. Uh, It's only four weeks from now to the Sunday morning before Christmas. But notice that in the Anglican tradition, it isn't Christmas season yet. We'll get to Christmas, of course. The liturgical Christmas season begins on Christmas Eve and lasts for the 12 days that follow. Then we celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. But now, spiritually, ethically, we prepare. We take this time for reflection. For although it is not long, Advent goes deep into the the Bible's literature of meaning. What is the deep meaning of the coming of the Son of Man. Becky, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Its meaning is multi-layered and pervasive, and it takes a lifetime to even begin to know. Ultimately, it is unfathomable by us. But this one thing I do know, its meaning, its meaning, is rooted in divine response to the cries of the dispossessed. You heard the echoes of their cries in the readings that preceded the gospel. Isaiah wrote from a suffering community, they are sick of being sin sick, alienated from God, beset by enemies taking advantage of their weakness and their demoralization. They absolutely need the power of God 
and the presence of God to set them right again and to defend them. But where is their God? The prophetic prayer seems to shout protest and desperate demand. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down to make your name known. You have hidden your face from us and delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not hold our sins against us forever. And the psalm we recited, likewise, a poetry of suffering and protest. You have fed your people the bread of tears. You have given them bowls of tears to drink. Our enemies laugh us to scorn. Oh, God, restore us and make your face to shine upon us that we may be saved. The reading from the Gospel of Mark is backgrounded by such cries and protests and demands. Mark 13, from which the reading came, has been called a little apocalypse for its cosmic images of the end of the world. These images, in turn, are drawn from Jewish social-spiritual writing that was widespread in the century around Christ's coming. And they fill the Bible's final book, the book of Revelation. This apocalyptic genre of spiritual, social writing has been called a literature of the dispossessed. A literature of the dispossessed. In dramatic response to the prayers of a people who for generations have felt the derision of our neighbors and the scorn of our enemies, as the psalmist wrote, in answer to their cries for justice and fervent prayers for God to renew the world, we see apocalyptic images arising. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. These images are terrible or awesome, depending on your social location. If the justice system of this world works for you, such images may be terrifying. But if you and your community are ground down by a system that evolved to keep you an underclass, and there is no legal or political recourse, then the end of this world, so to speak, may well seem like a good thing to you. If the end is followed by the coming of a new world, where justice rolls down like water and righteousness like an ever-living stream. On a new earth, where your family and community are treated with dignity and your sons and daughters are safe when they go out your front door. Hymns 
are among the best interpreters of scripture. And African-American spirituals are among the best Christian hymns. Years ago, I watched an amazing concert of spirituals sung by opera legends Jesse Norman and Kathleen Battle, conducted by James Levine, Carnegie Hall. One song, that great getting up morning, illuminates this passage from Mark from the perspective of a people historically oppressed. Far from terror, these apocalyptic images express hope and energetic joy. The refrain, sung as a call and response, is, In that great getting up morning, fare thee well, fare thee well. As in, may it go well for you in the day of the Lord, when justice long delayed arrives. As in, since you are among the righteous of the nations, you will joyfully greet the Son of Man, whom you will call brother, or father, or savior. By unspoken, unsung implication, if instead you are one among the unmerciful, you will not fare so well on that day. The signs in the heavens are seen as flashes of almighty creativity and power, forked lightning, and thunder rolling so loud that it can raise a living nation. The announcing angel Gabriel is told by the Lord to play that trumpet nice and easy so as not to alarm my people, says the Lord always caring for the gentle, the meek, the salt of the earth. Tell them to come to the judgment. Sounds like an invitation to a wonderful feast. Because there's a better day coming. The emotional crescendo of the hymn is that very image from Mark's gospel of the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Battle and Norman. Sing it with powerful conviction. I see my Jesus coming with all his holy angels to bring the righteous home to glory. All those who had been lost. The gospels elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven, are all gathered home again. What a consoling image of restoration of all that was precious but had been destroyed. For just this moment, and I know liturgical purists will inwardly groan, and we know who we are. I wish we were one of those hip churches that had a big screen up there over where the choir is so that I could share this performance with you, a clip of it, that I watched this week over and over on YouTube. But you can check it out, concert, spirituals in concert. Because then at once, you would see the point that I am laboring to make, that Mark's apocalypse 
draws its redemptive meaning from the hope of the dispossessed. As Jesus would one day read out of the scroll of the Jewish prophet Isaiah, he was born into this world to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. For the meaning of God with us flows from the divine response to the cries and protests and desperate demands of the dispossessed. God knows this gives us food for thought in this first week of Advent. In so many places in our world, so many places. Ferguson, Missouri is one. Such cries ring out to this day. Is this protest or is it prayer? How do we respond? What personal response? What political response? How, in the spirit of Jesus, do we respond? The faith of the prophets and poets and saints in the Bible shows us the way. And the story of Jesus, God with us, provides us the pattern In this Advent, let us renew our commitment to that way, following that pattern, to make the world a welcoming home for the baby Jesus and every father's and mother's child. Amen.